Welcome into another edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. We certainly hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, we are in between the holidays now, between Christmas and New Year's. We certainly, from all of us at Ebony Bird, want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. We hope that your holidays are full of family and relaxation. And now the Ravens find themselves coming off the heels of their second win in a row, now 9-6 and six over the uh, Indianapolis Colts 23-16 win. We have a lot to talk about as they get ready to face the Cincinnati Bengals, who they shut out week one coming into M&T Bank Stadium on New Year's Eve. Welcome into the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at jmcdonald95 and our Ebony Bird Twitter page, Ebony underscore Bird. And, of course, this podcast coming to you crystal clear through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Joining me is Joe Schiller, site expert. You can find him on Twitter at uh, Joe Schiller with two R's. Our other site expert, Chris Schisler, had went too hard on the eggnog, it appears, this weekend. But we will welcome Joe in to talk all things Ravens. We have a lot to dive into. Uh, we have, you know, of course, the Colts game to talk about. We're going to go into the injuries to Jeremy Macklin and Jalen Hill. Uh, we're going to discuss which team we'd rather face in the wild card race between the Chiefs and the Jaguars and why we would rather face them. Of course, those are the two options the Ravens have to face in the wild card round with the Steelers and the Patriots having bye weeks. We're going to preview the Bengals game and then we're going to talk uh, about specifically the big picture issue for the Ravens if they weren't to make the playoffs this weekend what that would mean for the coaching staff and the front office so before we get into that make sure to check out the Ebony Bird app download it from the app store we have several articles up there focusing on not only the Colts game but the Bengals game all the news the official fan side affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens Ebony Bird you can find us on uh, Twitter like I said but on the app we have plenty of good articles, first one, bye week, was a remedy for the second half success by Richard Bradshaw. And then Joe had two articles up today, Jalen Hill out for the season and how the Ravens can clinch a playoff berth in week 17, breaking all of that down. So, Joe, let's get right into it. Recapping the Colts game now, that was a couple nights before Christmas. Uh, we're going to break this game down, but what's your initial reaction to the Ravens' sloppy win over the Colts? Yeah, so I wasn't actually able to catch the entire game. I was out with some friends um, doing some stuff, but with the little I did get from the game, it was sloppy. I mean, we knew the weather was pretty bad during the day. They had the tarp on the field, I think, almost up to kickoff, or at least an hour before. Um, it was a sloppy win, but it was one of those ones where the Ravens pulled out. It would have been a really, really bad loss to lose to a decimated Colts team. But, I mean, it's one of those games where we knew it was going to be a primarily um, ground game, especially with Jeremy Macklin out. And just with the weather conditions itself, Joe Flacco had a good game, didn't turn the ball over, which was big. Um, the defense had some slip-ups. I wasn't expecting T.Y. Hilton to have such a great game, but he really just kind of got into some of those um, pockets in the secondary and had a bunch of great catches. And to be honest, this game could have – the Colts could have easily won this game. I was getting pretty nervous at the end, especially when Sam Cook had the um, pump blocks and the Ravens came away with um, a crucial play by Maurice Kennedy at the end, which a lot of people were claiming could have been pass interference on Hilton, but I think it was a good play. Um, I'm glad the refs didn't call anything there. I think that's just kind of a bang-bang play in the moment. But, I mean, the Ravens escaped with one, but, I mean, it's a win, and I don't know if we can complain about it. I mean, it's not pretty, but I don't think it's ever really been pretty with this team this year. So I think we'll take what we can get, and it puts them into a great position. They're still in the driver's seat, and with a win next week, they're in the playoffs. So, I mean, could have been better, yes, but, I mean, the Ravens aren't the best offensive team this year, and none of the games have been pretty. So, I mean, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, pretty is certainly not in the Ravens' M.O. Hilton, like you alluded to, finishing the game with 100 reception yards on six receptions 
in that 23 to nothing win, you know, it was an ugly win, but a win's a win. They got the job done, and they, they had this, an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot this week. No turnovers for either team. Uh, you know, after we saw the Baltimore Ravens' defense force four turnovers against Cleveland last week, kind of disappointing to see them not get a turnover at home against the backup quarterback. They almost had several turnovers, though, on, on interceptions, but a bunch of them, you know, where it was Eric Weddle or C.J. Mosley, it looked like there were a bunch of dropped interceptions and opportunities there. 237 passing yards and two touchdown passes for Mr. Flacco on Saturday. Uh, touchdown passes going to Michael Campanero and Max Williams, both catching their first touchdown passes since their rookie seasons. Only 103 rushing yards for the offense combined. Alex Collins struggling for the second week in a row, limited to 51 yards on 18 carries. Buck Allen, meanwhile, had 37 yards on eight touches. The pass rush was inconsistent, only two sacks by Willie Henry and Matt Judon. Uh, not a lot of pass rush, that's definitely something to look forward to. And it even had some Ravens fans clamoring for a James Harrison signing, which is not going to happen. He's signing with the New England Patriots, which everybody kind of expected after he was cut by the Steelers earlier this week. And then just one last question for you on the Colts game, Joe. Uh, we, you know, we all picked the Ravens to win big last week, and I think there are several reasons why they didn't win big. I think there's several factors that go into that. I mean, I think the holiday might have been on everybody's minds. It's, it's not an excuse, but there was not a lot of quality football played this weekend like there has been the entire season. So it might have been a factor, might have not been, just something I kind of thought of throughout the game. Um, but still, this it had kind of a trap game feel written all over it, and then the rain really added another factor. I mean, Flacco missed several receivers open. Uh, looked like the ball, the wet ball, kind of got to him a little bit on some of his touches. Do you think the rain was a big factor um, at all, or do you not buy into that too much? I mean, I think it was a little bit of a factor. I mean, it's not like it was drizzling out there. I mean, my, my dad and brother went to the game, and they said it was a pretty constant rain the entire time. So I think, I mean, when you have a pass offense that's already struggling this season, even when it's not raining outside, I think it's going to I think it plays a part. I don't know if you're going to completely use that as an entire excuse for it, but I mean, I think it's definitely part of it. Now, I want to pose a question to you. What did you think about um, the Bronx cheers that Prashad Perryman got? I know um, there was a lot of confusion, and I know Mike Wallace defended Perryman on it and was pretty pissed at the fans, but I heard there was a mix between people actually pretty happy for Perryman and um, people who were just giving them sarcastic cheers, and I don't blame them. And I, someone had posed a question about whether this was crossing the line, and I mean, I kind of said, well, it's pretty par for the course for um, some of the bigger sports markets. I mean, you go to a New York or a, a Boston or an L.A. where sports are such a huge priority compared to a small market like Baltimore. I mean, you're getting fans who have such high expectations. They'll boo just about anything. So, I mean, given Perryman's past, I feel like it's – I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's kind of warranted. I mean, it's not like it was the biggest thing in the world. I mean, he's been a healthy scratch most of the season. It's just been very disappointing for a first-round pick. From what I heard on TV, I think uh, there were more fans cheering sarcastically than there were fans that were genuinely happy. And I think there are fans that are genuinely happy for Perryman every time he catches the ball. But I, I, you know, I think the booing or the cheering of Perryman might not be so much a knock on him. I think you know some of that cheering is kind of sarcasm towards the whole organization for the way they've drafted. And Brashad Perryman's the perfect focal point of the of the poor draft classes they've had. Um, and it's and you know and at the same time while we say that it's good to see guys like Willie Henry and Matt Judon late round picks Buck Allen shine but again there have been a lot of disappointing draft picks and credit to a one disappointing draft pick in Max Williams for scoring his first touchdown of the season after we didn't know if he was going to even play football again after that knee procedure I heard Harbaugh mention yesterday that he didn't even uh, realize that that's what the cheers were for I don't buy that at all I think he's not that naive I think he kind of knows how the fans feel about Perryman. I do agree with you. I think some of it's warranted because, like you said, he hasn't been producing. And, again, 
I don't think all that cheering was directed at him. I mean, sure it was because he's the one not producing, but I think it was kind of a sarcastic uh, cheer for the organization, just the way the offense has been all season. Um, you know, the lack of star power, you know, credit to Alex Collins and you guys like Mike Wallace for getting the job done. Ben Watson, the, the offense certainly has improved, but I think those cheers were definitely warranted and I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, and speaking of, players that could have been or, or have been disappointing this season. Jeremy Macklin, uh, we have to talk about his injury a little bit. He's dealing with a little bit of a left knee injury. We don't really know exactly what it is. Um, it, I think it's kind of doubtful that he plays this week, but Harbaugh says he does have a chance to play. He's still dealing with that uh, leg injury, but Harbaugh did give a little bit of uh, re-encouragement that he is a fast healer in the past, and he did credit Macklin for being able to get back on the field quickly. And despite dealing with shoulder and back injuries and practicing with a non-contact jersey for most of the season, Macklin has played the majority of the Ravens games, a big portion of them. He's only missed one or two games, but he certainly has not uh, produced. And then another guy that's injured and now out for a long time is, is cornerback Jalen Hill, undrafted rookie, who had such a promising training camp, really looked like he deserved a roster spot. He worked his way onto the roster, uh, but he's going to miss the rest of the season with a torn ACL and an MCL, and that's going to really uh, impact his ability to get back on the field next season if we talk about the severity of his injury. Only played in six games this season, really disappointing. He was mainly on special teams, didn't see a lot of time in, on the defense. So really a disappointing season for him. And then in the wake of this, the Ravens are working out wide receiver Jeremy Curley in case Macklin's not able to suit up on Sunday. No signing yet, but Curley's a guy uh, has been in the league since 2011, most recently with the Jets. He This season has 22 receptions for 217 yards and a touchdown in eight games with the Jets. I don't think it's it's highly likely that they sign him, but if we see maybe Chris Moore uh, deal with some of the injuries he's dealt with the past few weeks, I think it's it's possible that they add him. They called up Quincy Adebojo from the practice squad today. So they are looking at some names, but nevertheless, that's kind of a minor thing compared to the Jalen Hill. I know Hill hasn't played a lot this season, but he had such a promising training camp. Really disappointing to see this, and we keep harping on the reasons why the Ravens made the move and bolstered up the secondary, and now there's multiple players from the secondary on injured reserve this season. Um, and then you have Maurice Candy, who also missed part of the season, so... Despite having all that cornerback depth that they have been dropping a little bit, and this is exactly, you know, given all the wrong things the Ravens front office has done in recent seasons, um, reinforcing or re rebuilding the cornerback position, you know, even though there are guys on injured reserve right now, they have a lot more cushion right now there. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot better than it's been in the past. I mean, even when Smith was hurt last year, we had Sharice Wright and a couple other guys who you really didn't feel comfortable with. I mean, now you have Brandon Carr and Marlon Humphrey on the outside who, I mean, you definitely feel a lot better with. Um, there's just their play with Smith out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, missing Hill Hurts. I mean, he wasn't necessarily a starter in the slot, but it's more depth. I mean, Candy has been playing well. But you, in the secondary, is just always a position you want to have depth in, and no matter who you're playing for. And it's just been a weak link for the Ravens in past seasons, and you know exactly why Ozzie went so hard on the defense especially in the secondary and the offseason, because even though the Ravens had a pretty good defense to begin with, everyone was harping on get some playmakers for the offense, and you still have to focus on the defense because, I mean, cornerback's one of the toughest positions to play, and when you have so many good wide receivers like we've seen Antonio Brown twice a year over the past couple um, years, he, he can burn you. I mean, he can burn you for 200 yards if he has a good game, and Ravens fans are certainly used to that. But yeah, I mean it hurts, and um, Adeboyo is coming up. I think I kind of, I think I read that it might be more of just a special teams move because he can um, try to replace Hill in that in that manner because he got a bunch of snaps as a gunner 
on um, punt returns and punt coverage during the preseason. So hopefully he can go. Hopefully he can make an impact. It'd be nice to see him get a couple looks at wide receiver too, because I know a lot of Ravens fans want to see what he can do. And he was, um, I think, limited with some injuries during the practice squad um, earlier this season. But I don't think they'll sign Curly, like you said. I mean, he's just kind of, I think, a guy they were working out just to get some looks at. I mean, at this late, at this late in the season, I mean, you're not going to find many talented or seasoned free agents in the first place. And to have them get caught up with the playbook and everything, I think that should be a tough thing. And this is also the same player who got suspended for four games for PEDs and claimed that a ghost must have put the PEDs in him. So that's an interesting just tactic right there in itself. But, I mean, in all seriousness, now I'm, Macklin's been injury prone and we've seen that all season and hopefully he can be back if the Ravens can clinch a wild card spot. But I mean, this certainly doesn't bode well for him like we were talking last week if he's gonna return next year because I mean you're like we said, we're used to seeing all these top wide receivers like you see a Steve Smith or an Anquan Bolton who have been known through play through injuries and I, I mean obviously we don't know how bad Macklin's injury is, but I mean he, he just doesn't seem like the kind of mold top wide receiver the Ravens have had over the years. Well, before we get into the Ravens' possible playoff opponents, we need to break down the Bengals game. Of course, uh, this game being moved from 1 o'clock to 4.30, which people that are planning on going to the game aren't particularly happy about because it's New Year's Eve um, and kind of you know messing up some of their plans later and having a game later in the day. And this is really, this is a, this is really an interesting game. There's so many layers to it. Um, the Ravens simply, like we know, can clinch a playoff spot in the number five seed just simply if they win. There are um, a number of scenarios. They could also end up, if they lose, they could also end up, you know, as the sixth seed. But a lot of that rides on what happens with the Titans and the Bills games particular. in particular. The Chargers are also one of the teams. So there's a, a bunch of different scenarios. Again, check out Joe's article at ebonybird.com uh, to learn more about the Ravens' different playoff scenarios uh, based on what happens on Sunday. And again, Joe is at Joe Schiller with two R's on Twitter. I'm jmcdonald 95 and it's funny, I was, you know, this game being on New Year's Eve, I was planning on going up or thinking about going up to uh, Bloomsburg, my, my college, for uh, the night. But it kind of turned out that not a lot of my friends were going to be up there. And then my friend Nolan McGraw, who writes for uh, Charm City Birdwatch, the Baltimore sports blog that I run, which you can follow on tw- Twitter at Charm City BW, he texted me. And as it turns out, Nolan's a season ticket holder, and his he usually goes with his dad. And turns out that um, his dad, the the game, the time change interfered with his new year, his dad's New Year's Eve plans. And Nolan, you know, wanting a, you know to take a friend, immediately reached out to me. So I wasn't even planning on going to the game, and I will I will actually be there. I decided I'm going to uh, go down there on New Year's Eve this Sunday to watch the Ravens play the Bengals. And I'm really interested to talk about this because a lot of people are chalking up the five and ten Bengals to come in here and kind of it being a rollover game and the Ravens, you know, easy win. But I, there's several reasons why this is not an easy game for the Ravens. And you can immediately uh, reference last week's Colts game as a reason why this might not be. But the, there's several reasons why I think this is going to be a tough game. They're 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games against the Bengals. That just speaks for itself. Uh, the Ravens shut out uh, Bengals in week one, 20 to nothing. The, the Bengals are going to be pissed off about that, and they're going to want to play spoiler. Uh, being a division rival of the Ravens, they're going to want to get a chance to spoil their postseason hopes, playing for pride. And then on top of all this, they, they beat the Lions last week, and the Lions, that, that game and a bunch of other factors officially eliminated them out of the playoffs. So they're going to be happy about that. They won their last home game of the season. But then you also have the Marvin Lewis 
part of this story where he's leaving that franchise as the head coach of the uh, Bengals after 15 seasons. And there's a lot of longtime players on that team, both on offense and defense, whether you're talking about Dalton or A.J. Green, Giovanni Bernard, or you're talking about Vontez Perfect or uh, Adam Jones. There are a lot of guys on that team, and I know some of those guys that I just mentioned have been dealing with injuries, and not all of them are, might not be a guarantee to play someday. I haven't really looked at their injury report yet. But there are a lot of players on that roster and the entire roster all together that are going to want to send Marvin out the right way with a win. Um, so they're going to be playing extremely hard, and this is not at all an easy game for the Ravens. What do you think about uh, the Bengals coming in here and trying to spoil the Ravens, not only their playoff chances, but also their New Year's Eve holiday as well? I think it's definitely possible. I mean, if you know, I see North football, you know that the Ravens aren't going to roll over any team, and it's just how every matchup is in this division. I mean, the Bengals had a great win against the Lions last week that I'm not, that not many of us really expected considering they got beat down by the Vikings the week before. I mean, this is a dangerous team. You've got Andy Dalton who can get hot, and when he's hot, he's he can burn secondaries. And don't forget A.J. Green, who's had, um, and during his career, has had his best games against the Ravens. I mean, we've seen so many moments where he has just ruined our day watching the game, whether it's a Hail Mary pass or a couple of tip passes for game-winning touchdowns. I mean, he has the opportunity just to go off just like Antonio Brown did a couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, yeah, they're definitely trying to play spoiler. I mean, they have nothing else to play for um, playoff-wise, so of course they want to come in and spoil their division rivals and have them not make the playoffs. I mean, if, I, if the Ravens were in the position, that position, they'd want to do the same thing as well. So, I mean, I, if anyone thinks that this is a game the Ravens can just roll over, they're just – they're kidding themselves because that's just not going to happen. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. I know the Bengals are dealing with some injuries, um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, I mean, even though it's a home game, we haven't seen the Ravens have much of a home field advantage this year anyway, so it's not like that really makes a difference. And like you said, their record against them in the past um, couple games has just been terrible. I mean, the Ravens just never play well against the Bengals. They always seem to be the Achilles heel. So, I mean, I'd like to see the Ravens just win and just have the playoffs um, determined in their own hands. But, I mean, there's a very likely possibility that might not happen. So, and, I mean, we'll see what happens with the playoff um, scenarios based on what the Titans and Bills do. But I don't think there's um, any way a fan or Ravens themselves can think they're going to walk into this game and just win by showing up. Yeah, absolutely. And this game, again, was originally supposed to be scheduled for 1 o'clock, got moved to 4.30. And the NFL did this very strategically so that that way all of the AFC uh, wildcard teams in contention for those two spots, the Chargers, the Bills, uh, the Titans, and the Ravens, are all competing at the exact same time on Sunday. And that adds a whole other layer to the thing. Because I mean, I know some of the other games that got flexed were supposed to be 1 o'clock games as well, but it wouldn't be that big of a deal, I think, if it wasn't on New Year's Eve. Like, 4.30, I mean, on the East Coast, you're talking about a game ending at 7 o'clock when a lot of people have already started their New Year's Eve festivities already, and then you're talking about people getting out of Baltimore or going somewhere else in Baltimore and trying to get home and ready in time for their New Year's Eve plans. And why is this a big deal? Because of the decreased number of uh, attendance seats, even though the attendance, quote-unquote, might say it was six, you know 68,000. We know that it hasn't been 68,000 people inside M&T Bank Stadium. There have been a lot of empty seats all season, really dating back a couple years now. And I remember being in the stands in 2014 when this it was the exact same situation. The Ravens were facing a, a, win, in, or a, a win, and then they needed help as well to get into the playoffs. They needed, I believe, the Chiefs to beat the Chargers or something along those lines. And I remember being in that stadium where the, the stadium wasn't even full in 2014 playoff game situation like this. Yes, it was the Browns coming in. I think the, the who the Ravens played three years ago, I think the Bengals have a little bit more of a pedigree, definitely have a little bit more of a pedigree than the Browns. 
Um, but nevertheless, being in that stadium, not knowing if the Ravens were going to make the playoffs, and then to see the Ravens win and the Chiefs beat the the Chargers as well, and then the I remember the PA announcer just announcing the entire stadium they were in the playoffs and it's just erupting. So this is potentially a very big moment waiting to happen at M&T Bank Stadium this Sunday. Possibly the first playoff spot clinch in three years. All they have to do is win, and it, there's a potential to really uh, have a distinct home field advantage. And I honestly think that the time change impacts that a little bit. What do you think about that since this game is on New Year's Eve? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the NFL definitely does it for a purpose. Like you said, for the business aspect, and I mean, everyone's going to be tuning into these games, watching Red Zone with all the afternoon games. And I think it definitely has an impact too at the game because you know the stadium announcers, or at least on the scoreboard, are going to have are going to be updating those games. And if the Ravens somehow find themselves down, everyone's going to be glued to the out of town scoreboards, looking at what's going on. And I mean, you could even see fans leaving early or something if the Ravens are getting blown out and a couple team other teams are winning. So I mean, that's just a different scenario in itself. But I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you can really do about the New Year's Eve thing. I mean, it's crappy. I know Harbaugh, I don't think, was too happy about it. But, I mean, I just hope there's a good showing for at least, like you said, for them to get their first playoff berth in three years. I mean, that's a big thing, especially with some of the struggles they've had the past couple of seasons. So, I hope there's a good crowd, but I'm not going to keep my hopes up knowing that what we've already seen this season. So, I mean, it just depends. We'll see what happens. I, I put up a Twitter poll on Ebony Bird um, earlier today. And I don't know, let me check to see how many um, votes it got, but it didn't seem like too many people were too phased about the time change. But, I mean, definitely given that it's New Year's Eve, a lot of people were um, kind of worried about that. So we got 48 votes in there. It said, for the Ravens fans going to the game on Sunday, would a 4.25 p.m. start time deter you from attending? 17% said yes, 44% no, and 39% said it didn't matter. So, I mean, that's also a small sample size, but, I mean, we'll see. I think I think most of the people aren't going to really care, but I, you're definitely going to get your few amount of people or your select few that aren't going to go because of that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't New Year's Eve, I I wouldn't feel any different about this than any other crowd. I, 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 I felt pretty good about this game, you know, knowing that if the Ravens win simply, they had to get in. And then when I saw if it, if it wasn't New Year's Eve, it wouldn't concern me as much as it does, but it does concern me. But nevertheless... Our next topic here on the Ebony Bird Podcast, again, we hope everybody listening to this through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio had a fantastic Christmas holiday, and we certainly hope that as you get ready for your New Year's, you're enjoying, if you have time off from work, uh, enjoying the time off from work, or if you are working, enjoying maybe things being a little bit less busy or maybe more busy because the holidays are a time where everybody goes out. But wherever you are, we certainly hope that you're enjoying your holiday season and certainly want to wish everybody a great Happy New Year. Again, I'm contributor Jake McDonald for Ebony Bird, the official uh, fan-sided account for the Baltimore Ravens. Again, find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Our site expert, Joe Schiller, which you can find on Twitter at Joe Schiller with two R's. And again, our Twitter handle for Ebony Bird is Ebony underscore Bird. Diving in, if the Ravens do simply beat the Bengals, they will clinch the number five seed in the AFC, meaning that they will travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs uh, in the wild card round next weekend, but there's still a chance that the Ravens could finish with a six seed and then travel to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars. So, breaking down these two teams' uh, possible wild card opponents for the Ravens, which would we rather face and why? Well, before I ask you, just some notes. Uh, between these two teams, the Ravens have only played the Jaguars. Of course, that was the horrible London game, which ended in a 44 to seven Jaguars win. Ravens just looked like a completely different football team and made Blake Bortles look like Tom Brady at times. There's some pros and cons of each for the Jags. I mean, you do have the the week three game in the back of your head. This is a completely different Ravens team, so I don't think that game's going to have too much impact 
on the Ravens if they do. But if if you are playing the Jaguars, you find yourself in a situation where you lost Week 17, and I'm certain that's certainly something to consider going down there. A good positive about the Jags is that is that you have a mild crowd. I don't think that they're going to have uh, too big of a turnout. The Jaguars have really struggled, even though this is their first playoff berth in 10 years. Really, they're not expected to have a really big showing. And I know Ravens fans have traveled down to Jacksonville well in the past, and they would probably have a better uh, sized crowd in Jacksonville than they would compared to Kansas City. But the Jaguars are clearly a better team than the Chiefs. They have a, a defense that's putting up historic numbers this year. Uh, and then, of course, another thing to consider is you have warmer weather in Jacksonville, which, of course, the Ravens aren't used to at this point of the year. And the Chiefs, really, there are a lot more pros on the field. You know, you have not nearly as strong of a defense for the Ravens' offense to battle against. Uh, the Chiefs' offense certainly hasn't, aside from the beginning of the season, been anything special lately. But another, po- well, another positive is the Ravens have gone into Kansas City before in the playoffs. In 2010, they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But with that being said, Arrowhead is known to be the loudest stadium in the NFL. So you're dealing with several factors here. So between those two teams and everything I just said, which team would you rather face come Wild Card Weekend if the Ravens clinch this Sunday? It's tough because, I mean, you have good points on either side, but I think I'd have to go with the Jags solely because I think the Ravens had such a bad loss in the game in that Week 3 um, loss in London. It's a game they would love to play the Jaguars again. I think the Jags are definitely the better team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think they've shown a lot of weaknesses. We saw that last week when Jimmy Garoppolo tore them up. Flacco plays better on the road either way. So I don't think even the crowd noise in Arrowhead Stadium has too much to do with it because he's been to the toughest of places, especially in Mile High Stadium in Denver and won some great games. But I don't know. I I think I like the Jags better because the the Chiefs offense, while it's struggled lately, is just dangerous. I mean, they have a 1,000-yard receiver in Tyree Kill, a 1,000-yard rusher in Kareem Hunt, and then a 1,000-yard receiver in, in Travis Kelsey. And the Ravens have been terrible against tight ends this year. And Kelsey, aside from Gronkowski, and maybe Zach Ertz is the best tight end in the league right now, and he's so dangerous. And I think the Ravens are almost sec- I second to last or last in um, pass defense against tight ends this year. And I don't know who's going to guard Tyree Kill. I mean, if Antonio Brown's burning Gra- Brandon Carr, Tyree Kill is that much faster, and he's scary. All it takes is one play, and he's down the sidelines for a touchdown. So I think the Ravens could get to Blake Bortles, force some turnovers. He's very prone to it. And when he doesn't play well, the Jags just don't play well as a team. So I think the Ravens have the opportunity, if they went down to Jacksonville, to really kind of control the game, get a couple turnovers on Blake Bortles, and really shut down this defense. But I don't know. It's tough. I think I think I'd have to go with the Jags for now. But I wouldn't feel too bad with the Ravens going to Kansas City, just because they've been known to be a road team. And I don't think the crowd noise is going to have too much to do with it. It's going to be a tough matchup either way because I think both teams are still better than the Ravens. So if I have to choose, I'll go with Jacksonville for now. Well, we hate to be the bearer of bad news or negative uh, vibes at the time of this holiday season, but we do have to discuss with the possibility that the Ravens don't get in the playoffs this weekend, and there is a chance. According to all the playoff simulators you'll find online, the Ravens have a 94% chance of making the playoffs, so they're very likely... But we thought they were also very unlikely to make the playoffs in 2014. Then they won, and the and the Chiefs beat the Chargers with the backup quarterback and Chase Daniels to get the Ravens into the playoffs. So there is a chance, knowing the NFL, that the Ravens don't get in on Sunday. And if the, if the Ravens weren't to get in, they would have to lose, and they would also need the Bills and the Titans, both two teams that they're competing against in the wildcard race, to win. 
Um, the, the Titans are playing the Jaguars, who, despite locking in the number three seed already, probably aren't going to rest their starters. And then the Bills had to beat the Dolphins in Miami, which isn't easy to do in the wintertime. Just ask Tom Brady and the Patriots that went down there two weeks ago. So if the Ravens aren't going to make it, that would be the fourth time in five years that they don't make the playoffs. If that happens, what does this mean? Well, any NFL team that misses the playoffs four out of five seasons, just take the Ravens out of your head for a minute. Any other team... That would most likely end the tenures of head coaches if five years hadn't let, they hadn't been let go in that time frame already. However, as we know, there is a reputation with John Harbaugh. He has a very good relationship with not only owner Steve Bishotti, but also general manager Ozzie Newsom. Um, and that being said, his leash is going to be much longer than most based off of uh, Harbaugh making it to the playoffs uh, six times in his first seven years coaching and also only having one losing record in his first ten seasons coaching the Ravens. With that being said, if the Ravens don't make the playoffs, I don't think it's a it's a dead on lock that he gets fired, but I do think it's it's a big possibility because if you don't fire him, then you're kind of stuck in the same limbo that you've been the past few seasons. And then the questions like we expect like we expect would not only go to Harbaugh, but will go to Newsom and DeCasa as well immediately after the the supposed scenario where they don't make the playoffs. So even though the Ravens have a 94% chance of making it and we're all focused on the, the postseason, we still have to keep this possibility in the back of our mind that we could be asking ourselves all these questions next week, which we don't want to do. We want the Ravens to succeed. But if they don't get in the playoffs, what do you think this means for the franchise? I mean, it's not good. This franchise has been so good with John Harbaugh. Um, when he started in 2008, we got um, – really spoiled with all the playoff appearances with the Super Bowl win. But, I mean, if you miss the playoffs again, I mean, there has to be questions. I don't even care what Powerball's accomplished. It gets to a point where you start wondering, like, how long is this going to last? I mean, how many more years are we going to go without making a Super Bowl? And, I mean, or making a playoff, sorry. But, um, yeah, I mean, I as a fan, at least, and just someone who's been writing about the team for, like, the past year, would question that. I mean, we've already seen the Ravens have such a poor product on the field, and that's definitely been a part in the – lack of attendance because, I mean, no one's going to want to pay 80 to $90 to go watch a team that, you know, puts up 15 to 20 points a game and really doesn't have much of a face of the team right now without Ray Lewis um, since he retired. So, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where I think it, the question's going to Harbaugh. Like you said, he definitely has a, a bigger leash than a lot of head coaches do, and I think it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't be something where they would fire him right after the season. They'd have, you know, their annual – um, conference, there would be a lot of talk. Maybe you'd see a, a coordinator go. But, I mean, it's it's not only Harbaugh, but it's the front office. I mean, Ozzie's had some poor drafts in the past couple of years, and, I mean, he's missing a lot of players, and he has such a good reputation, too. But at some point, you have to start getting them some heat. I mean, they can't stay on this high pedestal forever. I mean, the Ravens have been mediocre in the past couple of seasons. I don't think that's been a, a big surprise, given how they've played. But there has to be questions. I mean, with, with a franchise that's been – that holds themselves to such a high standard in the front office and on the field. You have to, because, I mean, the LS fans are going to stop coming to games. I mean, I I, I just don't think they're um, – they can just go with what they did um, this year going into next season. I mean, they Harbaugh kept all of his coordinators. He was given the choice by Steve Bishotti to keep all his coordinators, and this was Harbaugh's thing. He was going down with the ship this year. And if he goes down with it, I think you have to take a look in the mirror and think, well, what kind of decision was that? And there has to be some changes made, or I think this fan base is going to be pretty outraged. Well, with that being said, we need to keep those negative thoughts out of our head and hope that all that questioning doesn't happen. 
uh, this hypothetical questioning that we'll be doing next week. We want to keep the focus on the Bengals and on the postseason. So before we end things here on the Ebony Bird podcast, one thing we haven't done yet is given our official score predictions for this Sunday. So I'm picking the Ravens 27-20 to over the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to put up a hell of a fight. I think this is going to be a great game. I'm very excited to go to go to this game. It's been a long time since I've, I've been, you know, not only for, for me, but for everybody else that we've had a, a playoff game, not only just for the Ravens, but in Baltimore with the Orioles, you know, playing on the road in the wild card game last year. They haven't been, they haven't hosted a playoff game in three years. So it's a long time coming uh, for the city, which we're, we're not used to saying. We're used to um, expecting the Ravens to be in the playoffs every year, and that just hasn't been the case. But before we end things, just give me a quick score prediction and something you think we might see on Sunday. I think it'll be a dogfight. I think it'll be close. I'll go 17-14 Ravens. Everyone talked about how Justin Tucker didn't make the Pro Bowl and Boswell made it over him because he had so many game-winning opportunities. I think Justin Tucker finally gets the um, game-winning field goal and send the Ravens into the playoffs. That would certainly be the icing on the cake for the end of 2017. Again, I will be in attendance at M&T Bank Stadium this Sunday when the Ravens not only fight against the Bengals, try to sweep them this year at 4.30 for M&T Bank Stadium, but at the same time trying to clinch a playoff spot as well. So we'll say goodnight now for the Ebony Bird Podcast. For Joe, again, I'm Jake McDonald. Follow us on Twitter at jmcdonald95 and at Joe Schiller with two R's and also our Ebony Bird Twitter page at ebony underscore bird. Be sure to subscribe to the Ebony Bird Podcast on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio and check out all of our work at ebonybird.com as well as the Ebony Bird app, which you can get from the App Store. So with that, we will wish you a very happy new year, and hopefully before 2017 is all said and done, the Ravens will will be able to beat the Bengals again at the playoffs and begin 2018 off right. So with that, uh, next time we come to you on the Ebony Bird Podcast, it will be 2018. And hopefully when we record that podcast, we will be, we will be talking to you after another Ravens win and playoff berth.